Together, we'll discover inspirational stories of creative entrepreneurs living out their dreams, doing the work they are most passionate about, and building wealth in magical and fun ways. While building a six-figure income as a writer and coach, helping other women to launch their dream businesses, I've connected with so many incredible people and seen it proven again and again that you can thrive financially doing whatever it is you are passionate about. I am here to share life-changing strategies for mindset, making money, and reaching more people with your work in a business and life filled with creativity, freedom, and fun. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited to introduce our special guest today. We have with us Tanae Stewart, who is a practicing cottage witch, a certified astrologer, a coach, and a published author. She is on a mission to embody simplicity in magic, astrology, and self-care. She's the author of The Modern Witch's Guide to Magical Self-Care and The Modern Witch's Guide to Natural Magic. Her work empowers modern witches to nourish their minds, bodies, and intuition so they can be their most magical selves all day, every day. Hi, Tanae. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So how did you get into astrology? What's your story? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I don't, I I was interested in astrology even as a kid. I remember always really resonating with my sign and things like that, you know, Um, but I don't, it's so funny. I don't know like exactly when, like what the moment was that I got into it as an adult. Um, I know it was about seven or eight years ago. Um, And I do know the first thing that really jumped out at me that was like, immediately transformative was learning about my moon sign. Um, and so I, like, I don't even know when I first got my chart or saw my chart for the first time, you know, like it was just sort of lost in the, in the mist, I guess. But, um, I remember learning about my moon sign and just really feeling like it opened this door. It was like this new layer of understanding. You know, I had always resonated with my sun sign, Um, But it just felt like it wasn't the whole picture, you know, which it's not right. And learning about my moon sign was really this gateway for me to really discover so much more about myself and that there were all these parts of me that had been kind of hidden or kind of pushed aside that were really there in my chart, like very strongly, in fact. Um, And then from there, you know, I learned about the rest of my chart and but the moon was really the first thing for me. And so the the first readings that I offered years ago um, were moon sign readings because I just felt like the moon was such a powerful place for people to start. I love that. What is your sun, moon and rising? I have a Taurus sun, Aries moon, and Virgo rising. Oh, I'm Virgo rising too. Oh, awesome. I love that. (laughs) Um, So I've never actually heard the term cottage witch. What is that? Yeah. So basically cottage witchcraft or cottage magic is, um, it means that the home uh, sanctuary, sacred space are really at the heart of someone's practice. Um, it's a term that I came across many years ago, probably like over 15, definitely over 15 years ago at this point. Um, and 
I remember when I came across it, that it just felt like it described something that I hadn't been able to put into words before. You know, I had like played around with Kitchen Witch and Green Witch and things like that. And they just never felt like they described everything, you know. Um, It didn't feel like those were the things that were really at the heart of my spirituality. And when I came across the term Cottage Witch, I'm not 100% sure where I came across it, although... In retrospect, most likely there is a book um, by Ellen Dugan called Cottage Witchery, which in my research seems to be the first time that someone like put that in print. Um, So maybe it was that book. It's a great book. Um, But I remember coming across it and just feeling like, yes, like that's that's who I am. You know, that describes my spiritual feeling and beliefs like much more so than any of the other terms I had come across. So for me, it's very Virgo in a lot of ways. Um, You know, it's very much about sacred space and having these like spaces where we can rest and recharge and connect and, you know, be, be ourselves. And so I'm presuming from this description that like creating beautiful space in your home is like a part of that practice. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's a very seasonal practice. Um, So I do a lot, I post a lot of my Instagram and things where, you know, we change the house over for the seasons and, you know, it's just, and, you know, my altar as well. Um, But it's not just about like the, the individual, you know, quote unquote sacred spaces, right? It's like the whole house is really a sacred space or an altar of its own, you know? I love that. I always feel like the people who change their decorations and the different themes, I'm like, already just like maintaining a house on its own is like enough housework for me to deal with. I'm like, that just sounds like way too much for my brain, but I can see how, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that is also, you know, our like being cultured in towards productivity. And so often the things that cultivate creativity and like cultivate emotion and presence and, you know, often these are ritualistic things that maybe aren't like quote unquote, necessary in order to function but they have you know so many other values that when you create um yeah ritual and kind of like moments on the calendar to bring those in it really elevates your life in in such a big way I'm so curious kind of like how that has unfolded for you and what you would say you know what are the ways that it benefits you to do that yeah no that's so true I think that you know, we have this idea in our society that we're kind of supposed to be the same, right? We're supposed to have the same level of energy and be the same person, you know, every day of the year. Um, And that's just not realistic. It's not true. It's not sustainable. Um, And working with the seasons, which for me is very astrological as well, right? I really work with the, the astrological seasons, the sun moving through the zodiac, as well as um, the wheel of the year and the, you know, like seasonal celebrations, um, which are really one and the same thing in many ways. Um, working with those can really help you understand that, you know, we're all in our own cycles. You know, we have different levels of energy at different times of the year. Um, and for some people, you know, for a lot of people, they have lower energy going into the fall and the winter when it's darker and colder. Um, but that's not true for everybody. You know, I have more energy in the fall. The summer is when I really have my lowest, lowest energy of the year. Um, and I know that for many years of tracking it and paying attention to it and working with that energy. Um, and so I think that's a huge part of working with the seasons, whether it's, you know, changing your seasonal decorations or having, you know, 
um, like seasonal celebrations or events or just cooking seasonally, whatever that looks like. Um, it's really, really powerful in helping you step out of that like productivity space, right? And be like, being productive means something different in every phase of the cycle, you know, um, which we see reflected in the Zodiac. We see it reflected in the seasons. We see it reflected in the moon phases, like all these different cycles kind of eventually tell us the same thing, you know, that we're not meant to be exactly the same all month long, all year long, you know, all throughout our lives. Yeah, totally. It's been interesting for me this year because we just moved from New York to LA and so even though you know there is a season's change and there is like a slight dip in temperature we don't have like the trees with leaves that are dying around this time of year like it's not as drastic so it's been really interesting for me to notice in myself even though you know I still go outside and it's like hot and sunny during the day even just like having the colder temperatures at night, like really noticing that internal change of season happening for me. Like, I mean, I just had COVID, but before that I had a cold, you know, even though like my usual association with getting a cold is like, oh, well, it's cold weather outside. So like, that's why I got a cold. But just noticing the, the, the feeling of like moving into winter, even though it doesn't look like winter outside and the new environment that I'm living in and just honoring that I've been really feeling pulled to just like retreating and hibernating and kind of like clearing my schedule up and not being that outgoing and hey I have a really exciting new free series that I want to make sure you know about it's called sign soulmate clients with astrology and I created this because when I work with clients using their astrology charts they stop trying to sell offers in a way that feels like pushing a boulder up a hill they start selling what they're really excited to offer. They raise their rates, often doubling them, and soulmate clients start showing up more quickly and easily than ever, which is why I'm so thrilled to share this special three-part training series with you to show you how to read specific parts of your chart to cut the drama of overthinking your storytelling and your prices and cut straight to the actions and insights that lead to signing soulmate clients consistently with ease month after month. So when you sign up, you're gonna get instant access to video number one, which is all about signing soulmate clients by selling from your sun sign. Video number two is about tapping into your sales flow through your second house. And video number three is going to show you how to create your unique ritual for consistent clients and money flow. You don't need to know anything more than your birth time, date and place. And I will show you what you need to know about your birth chart. This is for anyone looking to create a more consistent flow of sales from soulmate clients. And you can find this by going to my website with saramac.com under the freebies tab or by the link in my bio on my social channels. I'm curious if you, do you work with clients in um, both hemispheres in like different climates and temperatures? Like, do you kind of like see any trends that kind of like span across different environments or are we always, you know, very influenced by the environments that we're in? Yeah, that's a great question. So the majority of my clients are in North America and Europe, although I do have some Southern Hemisphere clients. Um, and what's interesting with the Southern Hemisphere, if you are practicing like the wheel of the year um, and the you know new and full moons in different zodiac signs throughout the year, um, is all of it is 
it's essentially the same. It's just reversed. Right. And so like we have Samhain in October, Halloween in the Northern hemisphere at the exact same time in the Southern hemisphere, they're celebrating Beltane, um, which is the opposite, right? It's about the, the height of spring versus the like depths of fall. Right. But they are both on the Taurus Scorpio axis. And so the astrology actually really helps us kind of like see where those universal threads are. Um, so, you know, Samhain, it's close to the new moon in Scorpio and the full moon in Taurus in the Southern hemisphere, Beltane is close to both of those. Um, and they're reversed, um, you know, at the opposite ends of the year. So for us in the Northern hemisphere, Beltane is close to the new moon in Taurus and the full moon in Scorpio. Um, and so there's always these like correlations um, that I think can be really equalizing in a lot of ways because they help us see like what is universal or, you know, there's not a lot in the world that's universal, but there are some threads of that. Um, so I think that can be really helpful in saying like, okay, no matter where I am, no matter, you know, where I live, no matter where my ancestors lived, right. There are these universal threads of the seasons and of the Zodiac. Um, and at the same time, I also think that our own chart, um, I teach a lot about like our rising sign having to do with, our relationship with the seasons. Um, and so our own chart can, you know, definitely influence like how we experience the seasons wherever we are. Um, and I think that our own environment and climate can definitely, you know, absolutely have an impact on that, right? Like someone who, like I've had clients who, you know, based on their charts, like I would think like, yeah, you might have more energy in the winter. And they're like, oh no, no, like, you know, winter is not my time. And they live somewhere where, you know, they only get a few hours of daylight. And it's like, okay, well that makes sense, right? Like you, you have an environmental factor as well. Um, which I think is really important, right? Is that we marry like the astrology and these like really amazing cosmic systems with the practical reality of like, where does someone live? You know, what is their relationship or their experience of a given season, right? Like fall is definitely when I, I have more energy again. And like, I'm, I'm excited about doing things again. And I also have some really like major trauma in my past that happened in the fall. And so that comes up too. And so it's really important that we like understand how complex we are and that we're in our own cycles and that those cycles can change at different times in our lives. Um, and so I think that there are these like threads of universality when we're talking about these systems that we all experience. We also all experience them in our own ways. I love that. I'm curious what you would look for in a chart to suggest that somebody might have more energy in the winter. Yeah. So theoretically people who have anywhere from like Virgo to Capricorn Aquarius rising, um, that the when the sun reaches that part of their chart that's going to be reaching their first house um and in a like quote unquote natural chart uh the spring equinox occurs in the first house um and so the idea is that when the sun reaches that part of your chart it's this like new beginning a fresh start for you or like your own personal spring um and i find it to be true for a lot of people the one major part I find that can shift that just within the chart is a lot of times people who have their like sun or their Venus or something like that, some, you know, really like energized, really um, 
like uplifting part of the chart in the couple of houses before the first house, they might find that that part of the chart that a lot of us experience as this like lower energy, very restful kind of time, they might experience that differently. Um, so, you know, layering in your planets, of course, always makes things more, more personal. But in general, I find that the, when you, the sun reaches your rising sign, we tend to have this like renewed energy. That's so interesting. So you mentioned that looking at your moon placement really was kind of revolutionary for you. I'm so curious, like what are some of the the elements that, that looking at that placement really brought to light and kind of changed the way you live and, and relate to yourself? Yeah. Well, so my moon is in Aries and it's in the eighth house. Um, and I have a lot of other planets there as well, but I first learned about my moon. Um, and as I mentioned, I first offered moon sign readings. I was the first kind of reading I ever did. Um, and I still talk so much about the moon in the chart, um, especially in the work that I do around self-care. Um, and I always talk about, you know, all these systems and tools and things that I I've developed over the years for my clients. I originally developed for myself. Um, and that definitely started with the moon. So learning first that my moon was in Aries, um, you know, I have a Taurus sun, but it's right, right, right on the cusp, like it's zero degrees of Taurus. And so, you know, like most cusp babies, I always kind of felt like I resonated with both more Taurus, but you know, I, half of the horoscopes you would read would say I was an Aries, right? Um, and so that was like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense, right? This actually is a really important part of me, which is true for many people born on the cusp, um, is that they have another planet or the moon or something in that other sign. And so that was very validating first, right? To be like, okay, here's like a bigger picture that I can kind of wrap my head around. Um, but it also, you know, reading about the moon in Aries um, was both very validating and like kind of triggering because I was like, these are parts of me that I'm not really fond of that people have always told me are not great. You know, I can be kind of temperamental. I can be kind of hot headed. And like, these are things that, you know, I've tried to not be all my life. Right. And then failed <laughs> to not be them. Right. And so that was very like, something that I had to really dig into and, and really do a lot of shadow work around, um, which I think is one of the beautiful things about the astrology chart is it can really help you with this like self-acceptance of like, this is who I am, right? I don't have to change it. And I can, you know, lean into my chart in a healthy way, um, but I don't have to do anything about it, right? It doesn't have to be something that needs to be fixed, right? Um, and then the next layer of that was learning that my moon is in the eighth house, which I think learning that was what really helped me like accept the, the Aries energy and the Aries themes um, because I had felt so resistant to them. And it also felt like, okay, yes, like I have this Aries energy definitely, but it, it doesn't feel like, it still didn't feel like the whole picture, right? It felt like there's still something deeper than that though. There's still something else. And learning about the eighth house and the connection to magic and to spirituality and to shadow was really, that was really, really empowering um, to sort of understand that like depth that was there as well. Um, and so the moon sign and house I definitely teach can be a really important part of the chart to not only understand yourself, um, but also really understand like what you need in order to feel safe in order to feel nourished, um, and how to really give those to yourself, right? Cause we can't, 
expect that we're only going to get those from outside sources. So is it mainly the moon that you look at when it comes to developing self-care practices or are there any other parts of the chart that you look at as well? Yeah, so I like to look at the sun and rising signs um, and the sun house because I find that those, you know, kind of big three together, um, you know, they're not the whole chart, but they are kind of like the core essence of who we are as individuals. And so the moon to me is, you know, what we really need in order to feel safe and cared for. But the sun is what makes us happy. You know, the rising or ascendant is still an important part of who we are. Um, so I definitely look at those kind of three together. And then I also really like to look to Ceres, um, which is the asteroid of self-care. Um, and she's a really interesting part of the chart because she represents, you know, similar things as the moon, what we need in order to feel nourished and, you know, uh, mothered, taken care of. Um, but she also represents what we need in times of grief or in times of challenge, because Ceres has a strong connection to this theme of grief and loss, um, which I think often gets overlooked in self-care, right? We often talk about self-care as like preventative, right? Which is good. Like we should be taking care of ourselves when things are good, but our self-care practices, our spiritual practices, like tend to go out the window when things are hard. Like it's the first thing to go um, when in reality, it's the times we need them most. And so series can be a really helpful part of the chart for that to help us understand like, okay, how can I keep taking care of myself even when things are really difficult? Love that. I'm so curious to go and check out my series now. I haven't looked into that. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. So interesting. And I'm sure people are curious um, about learning more about how they can translate their astrology chart into self-care practices. So yeah, tell people like, where can they find you? What have you got going on? Yeah. So if you're interested in these specific topics, like learning about your moon and series and all of that, um, then I would definitely recommend my checking out my first book, which is The Modern Witch's Guide to Magical Self-Care. Um, there's one whole chapter just on learning about your astrology for self-care. Um, and that really walks you through creating practices that are right for you that you can be consistent with. Um, so that's a really good intro to me and everything I do. Um, but you can also find me on my website is witchoflupinhollow.com. Um, and you can find all of my books and everything else I do there. Um, I have a membership where I support people on more of an ongoing basis in, you know, knowing where you are in your lunar cycles and your seasonal cycles and all that good stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. And thank you everybody for listening. Please share this with a friend who you know would love it and go and leave us a review to help more people get, um, you know, know about this amazing podcast and content and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. For more inspirational content, head over to my website with and please support the show by liking, commenting, and subscribing.